Who am I? What am I worth? What is my purpose in life? Will anyone ever really love me? Will I be alone? Those are some huge questions. And I have been so encouraged this semester, last week included, of all the students and faculty, staff, guests who have gotten up and addressed these major topics and these major questions. What I want to suggest to you for just a moment is why I think those questions are harder for you to answer today than they've ever been for anyone else that's lived in the course of human history. I think it's because we live in a radically individualistic society. And because of that, most people that have gone before us in human history and most people alive today outside of our insulated world in the West have never lived in a radically individualistic society. Those huge questions that I just that, that, that I just asked, who am I? What am I worth? Will anyone ever love me? A radical individualistic society says you have to figure all of that out on your own by yourself. You are what you choose to be. And one of the things that we hate in a radically individualistic society is we hate for anyone ever to tell us what to do or what to think. We're individuals and we can choose on our own. We have to choose our style. What kind of person do we want to be? What kind of clothes do we want to wear? We have to choose what we do with our own bodies. We have to choose what college we go to. We have to choose what career path we follow. We have to choose who we're going to date and who our spouse is going to be. We have to choose all these huge elements of our identity. And included in that, we have to choose what faith or lack thereof that we're going to have. All of it, we have to choose. I think the motto of our age is, my body, my choice. Me, 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 me. And the thing you need to know is that in all of human history, almost nowhere outside of the West has ever lived this way, where every aspect of our identity, it was up to us to figure out on our own by ourselves. In almost every other culture today and throughout human history, your family has provided key elements of who you are. Your community had social expectations that you were expected to follow, and your faith helped form a major part of your identity. Let me give you just one example. If you grew up just a few decades ago, there may be some in the room that are old enough to remember this, but if just to, hey, hey, sorry about that, Nick. Nick, let me ask you, just a couple of decades ago, if you grew up on a farm, what'd you do when you grew up? You worked on the farm. You didn't have a choice. That was what you did. Anybody in here the last name Smith? Just a couple decades ago, you didn't have a choice. You were a blacksmith. That's why it's your last name. You didn't have a choice. You just carried on the family business. Your marriage was arranged for you. And some of us think, oh, that is terrible. Somebody picking out my spouse for me? And don't get hear me wrong, I'm not advocating for arranged marriages, but isn't dating kind of crappy? Right? Maybe there's some good things with choosing our mates, but this radical individualism, it kind of stinks a lot of times, right? There was some security in never having to question who it was that you're going to marry. And now you got to figure out all that, but guess what? by yourself. 
here are some problems with radical individualism. You are what you choose to be. Here's some major problems. Let me just list a few. Radical individualism says you are what you choose to be, but there's too many choices. What did your parents tell you when you were growing up? You can be anything that you want to be. False. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. No one in here is going to be the president of the United States. And I can't be a male model. There are some things that you can't be. But our world says you can choose to be anything that you want to be. And if I've got to figure out all this by myself and there are a million different choices, I've got a problem. Second reason this is difficult is that my choices are often contradictory. Let me tell you two things I really want to be true at the same time. I would like to lose weight and I also choose to eat chocolate cake. Those choices are contradictory. Many of the desires that we have, they don't work. A third reason this is hard is that if I really look inside myself, my heart and my desires are all messed up. We have been raised on Disney movies that tell us, follow your heart. And let me tell you the worst advice anyone's ever given you, follow your heart. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, and we don't even need the Bible to tell us this, there is nothing more deceitful than our own hearts. If I were to follow my own heart, let me tell you what my heart was feeling yesterday when that guy cut me off in traffic in York. I am really glad that I don't always follow my heart because here's the truth. It's all too much and it's too big to figure out on our own. It is bigger than any of us can ever do. And yet our radical individualist society is saying, do it by yourself. And let me tell you why I think it's harder for you, even than when I was in your space just a couple of of years ago. It's those things you have in your ears, those earbuds, which by the way, I want to walk up and jerk those things out of your ears. And if I do it, don't be surprised. What's happened is the problem is we're trapped inside of ourselves. It's all left up to us. And so guess what you've done? You stuck these things in your ears and you walk around so that you don't have any human contact. That's the worst possible thing you could do in this situation. No wonder we all have so much mental health issues. We've trapped ourselves inside of ourselves and insulated us from the world. And the thing that's actually killing us is our individualism. And so what have we done? We're on our phones all the time by ourselves, within ourselves, and then we stuck stuff in our ears so people can't actually talk to us as human beings. It's the hardest it's ever been for you guys. Today, just for a moment, I want to suggest to you One piece of a huge puzzle that's too big for us to address. Life is too hard to figure out on your own. And so what is one possible answer? I'm the Bible professor, and I want to suggest to you that one possible answer to this problem of radical individualism is being a part of a church. If the problem posed by radical individualism is me, 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 and I've got to figure out all this on my own by myself, inside myself, there is one community that exists. And this community does not exist for itself. It exists for God and for others, and it's the church. The church does two things. The church reminds me that my primary responsibility is to love God. 1 Corinthians 8.6 Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. 
Life is not about me, 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 me. Life is about God. And so when I wake up and I go to church to worship, I'm doing the most countercultural thing that I can possibly do in our age. I'm doing something that's not about me. It reminds me that I only live and breathe and have my being because of God, and it is for Him that I exist. I go to worship every single week, and when I show up there, just my presence says, I'm here to worship God. My life is not about me. It is about Him. And when I have that mindset, that's when I am opening up my heart for God to actually transform who I am so that when someone cuts me off in traffic, I don't want to become a murderer. Because the God of radical love is transforming my heart. When we get together as a church, we sing together to and for God. When we get together as a church, we pray together to God. When we get together as a church, we listen as someone shares God's words with us. And we do this awesome thing where we take the Lord's Supper and we commune together with God. Church reminds me that it's about God. But church also reminds me that it's about loving others. We have curated our communities so that we are never around or never hear anyone speak that we might disagree with. If we don't like them, we unfollow them or we shut them out. We live in the siloed world. When I'm a part of a church, I'm a part of a community made of men and women old and young, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, new Christians and mature believers, white and black, modern and ancient, sinners of all stripes, and on and on we could go. And yet, even though all those different people are together, we all share the same identity, an identity that's found in Christ. Philippians 2 says, if you're following Christ, the guy who literally laid down his life for other peoples, here's what Philippians says, Don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, regard other people as more important than yourselves. Look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. That's the most countercultural thing that could be said in a radically individualist society. When I go to church on Sunday morning and I take the Lord's Supper and I remember that Christ's body was broken for me, how could I not live a life that lays down my own life for other people? Because this community is shaped by the values of Jesus Christ, it's shaped by values like grace and love and forgiveness and mercy and self-sacrifice and service to the least of all people. Where else can you find a community that's dedicated to those virtues today? It's the one place where I can go every week and know exactly who I am. I belong to Christ, and my reason for being there is not for myself, but for other Christians and God's mission to other people in the world. You should go to church. Let me answer some quick questions. Are Christians perfect? No. Sometimes church really hurts us. And when Christians like myself, who are part of the body of Christ, don't act like we're supposed to, shame on us. But good luck finding a group of people anywhere that's perfect. And I think there's something profound that I can learn as a sinner who's committed to another group of imperfect people. I need forgiveness myself, and I am learning to forgive others. 
at my church before we moved here, I found a group of men that we have a constant texting thread where we constantly share our struggles, our sins, and we are always asking each other to pray and support for each other. Second question, is church always fun and entertaining? No. Sometimes it is really boring. Check that. Most times it is really boring. Sometimes the singing isn't musically pleasing. Sometimes the sermons are boring. I've preached many of them myself. But we have created lives for ourselves where everything is about us. If we don't like it, we don't give it a thumbs up or heart it or swipe to the right or left. I don't know what that one is. If it doesn't entertain us, we need moments to sit and be silent. We need moments that don't entertain us and feed into our narcissism that says life is about us. Going to church isn't about you, and that's actually the point. And lastly, do I really have to go every Sunday? Our habits form us. In church, our worship forms us. Making the effort to get up early when you really want to sleep because you've made a commitment to God and others, that forms you. It makes you into a person that's willing to set aside your personal preferences for God and for other people. That's how worship transforms us. And that's the kind of person I want to be. In conclusion, our world says life is all about me, 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 me. It's too hard. It's too much. And we can't actually do it. And I just want to suggest one piece of the puzzle where you may find some answers for yourself, and that is in the church. It certainly isn't perfect, but when it's working correctly, it's supposed to be a countercultural community reminding you that life isn't about you. It's about orienting our lives to God and to others. I want to conclude with a verse from my favorite book, Revelation. After this, I looked there was a great multitude that no one could count, a multitude of people from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every language, and they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed in white with palm branches in their hands, and they were crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. If you want to join the multitude of people who are singing around the throne in heaven, then join the multitude of people who are singing around the throne right now. Go to church. Thank you.